0: This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 189. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a Colored Pencil Podcast, where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your Lisa and John Midick. Hello, my name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com. I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. Lisa, how are you today?
1: I'm never better. How are you? <laughs>
0: You say that better than I do, I have to admit. I don't
1: think I do. I didn't feel like I had enough excitement in my voice when I said it this time. Well, then that's perfect.
0: That's exactly like (laughs) me then. That was a perfect representation. I am good. So what? this is the show about colored pencil, where we discuss colored pencil every single week. So Lisa, what are we talking about today?
1: We are answering some questions that were sent in by our listeners.
0: All right, let's just dive right in here. So the first question is, and this one comes up from time to time, when drawing on paper, sometimes I feel like the colored pencil just disappears. This came up actually this week when I was doing a a live video office hours with my group. And it's something that I I run into and I hear uh, from time to time. And I also encounter this and I'll talk a little bit about it. Typically, this happens on a Stonehenge or some other cotton-based uh, paper. I've noticed it myself. It's something I noticed very early on when I started drawing in colored pencil, and I wondered what was going on. I was like, is, am I seeing things? Did I really just see this kind of vanish before my eyes, like the next day when I came back over here or few, several hours later? Did it look very dark at one point, and then now it's very light? You know, and I talked to other artists about it and they're like, oh, you're probably, uh, you know, putting in your darker value later on. And then everything that you drew before that time appears to be darker or lighter now. It's relative to that darker value that you have there present in the composition. Well, that is not the case uh, with, you know, the way that I've uh, seen it happening sometimes and what I've also witnessed in some of the drawings of my students. So what I think Actually happens, and I can't be too sure about this, but this is the thing that I've noticed in my own drawing, and I think this is probably the case for most of you if you are encountering this from time to time. Cotton paper, and especially Stonehenge, it—if you're using like the large sheets and not the pads, especially—you'll notice that it, it is sort of spongy, just a little bit. Now, sometimes when you're using a pencil and you're working on that layer and you're working in one area and you're laying a lot of the pencil down overnight or over some time, that can sit there. And I think what happens, and I cannot prove this right now, I think what's happening is those long fibers of cotton are actually expanding just a little bit. And the pencil, the pigment, all of those things that are included inside that uh delivery system of the pigment with the binders and and wax and oil and all that i think it's it's actually seeping down into the paper i think that's what's going on. But no, you're not You're not crazy. You're not dreaming it up. You're not, you know, uh, inventing things that don't exist. And you, your eyes are not playing tricks on you. That really does happen. And I've encountered it. So uh, it doesn't always happen, but from time to time it does. And there's ways to get around it. And you just have to go in there and redraw. Now, if you're using solvent, You've already got a built-in technique for making sure that that doesn't happen all that often. Later on, whenever you start using solvent, you're going to dissolve a lot of those issues uh, in the paper with showing uh, a lot of the white of the paper through your pencil layers. And so you don't have to worry about it. But, yeah, it does happen.
1: That would make sense, too, because it's not something I've ever experienced, but I always Mm -hmm. use odorless mineral spirits. So that, that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. And it's before you use the OMS, you know, and when you're, um, you know, processing through like an initial layer, or if you are someone who waits a long time before you use OMS, like I do on certain compositions, you know, sometimes I'll wait a long time um, then. Yeah. That, that can, that can actually happen. You've not ever experienced it. It's never. No, never. never. Okay. The no, closest I could
1: say I've come to is, and now this wasn't on Stonehenge. This was on. I don't even remember what paper it was mm. years ago. But with Prismacolors where you'd get the wax bloom, and that would, you know, once oh, you wipe yeah, yeah, the wax yeah. bloom off, it would make it lighter. But I, yeah, I don't think that's, that's what's being spoken about.
0: No, yet. it isn't. But that's a that's an interesting thing because somebody actually thought, you know, on this video uh, live stream chat we were we were doing, they actually thought that that's what the person was talking about was mm-hmm. wax bloom. But no, that yeah, that's separate have
1: Experience as far as yeah, being lighter that. And when you put odorless mineral spirits down, I've had a lot of people ask that or say that it made the colors more dull and they didn't know why. That is totally Mm -hmm. normal on your first layers. And again, this isn't what this question is about, but we'll just throw it out there. Well, yeah. When you put down the odorless mineral spirits and then they dry, they'll, especially if you're working on a darker paper, because the odorless mineral spirits will make the paper look darker. If it's a colored, like a toned Mm -hmm. black or or light blue or any of those, it'll make that color come out a little bit darker. And a lot of our our pencils are fairly translucent. It'll light. Back up when it dries, but when you watch it, it's like, why does my color keep getting lighter? One, it could be the type of paper you're working on, and two, that's actually normal even on white paper because you're dissolving that pigment into the paper. You're gonna, you just need more layers, you're gonna keep layering and and repeating that process until you get your color saturation back up where you want it in the end. Absolutely. So our next question, should I use the Brunzeal Design Pencils, even if I can't find any light fast ratings on them? That's a really good question. Now, I've not used those pencils, so I can't speak to their performance at all. But just talking about the colored pencils in general, because you will find some. I mean, the Artzea makes some. There are quite mm-hmm. a few different ones that the quality may be okay, but the pencil, not so much, you know, and it really depends, or the light fast ratings, it's really going to depend on what your end goal with that piece is. If you're using it for practice, I don't really see a huge problem with it as long as the quality is okay. The problem comes down to what if you make something and you're like, this is amazing. I would love, you know, to sell the original, be able to include this or, or enter it into competitions, whatever. And it fades within a year or two. And a lot of those pencils that are the, the lower um, cost pencils are Yeah. The light fast ratings are absolutely terrible. And you've got to watch because a lot of the the packaging will say great light fastness or great light, what do they call it? Great color, light resistance. I don't know the word. Yeah.
0: Light resistance or uh, permanence and things like that. But they've never
1: tested. They didn't do any light fast testing. They can't know how great that light fastness is going to be if they didn't test it. You don't know. So even if the company says that, don't say, well, it says this on the label, so it's okay. If there are no light fast ratings. Assume they are not light fast at all. Okay. Some colors are naturally going to be light fast, even if it's a cheap pencil, but still I wouldn't trust it unless I had those numbers for sure. For practice in a sketchbook, trying different things out, I don't see a problem with that. But once you get into the, the position where you may want to sell something, you may want to do things for commission. I, I would not personally use them for anything other. Like if I were going to use them, I'd use them for sketchbooks only because I'm not going to sell that.
0: They're actually a lot like the Lyra Rembrandt Polycolor uh, colored pencils. Uh, I feel them. I I feel them. Wow, I cannot talk today. I feel like that they're very similar in performance as those pencils are. Um, So these are the Brunsville Design pencils. I I do have a set, a 48 uh, count set of these. And yeah, performance wise, they're, you know, they're fine. But yeah, I again uh, to your point, Lisa. I'm I'm not going to be using these. I, I you know I played around with them a little bit. I'll still play around with them maybe in a sketchbook. But I cannot find any light fast ratings on them, and the company will not uh, release any light fast ratings on them. So if you listening today, if you have any different information, and if you know something that we don't know, then yeah, I would love to know. Uh, what that is and more importantly, I like to know you know the source. I, I want to know you know how you found out about it. Uh, to my knowledge so far we're we're not given any, Light fast ratings. And I don't think that the company is actually testing them. Now they say things like on pack on the packaging, like uh, high quality, you know, perfect for applying several colors of, of layers of color on top of each other, things like that. They talk about the um, size of the cores. You know, they're 3.7 millimeter color core made from high quality color pigments so that the colors transfer very well. Okay, there's nothing, nothing that I've seen that indicates anything to me about any type of light, fast ratings or any testing that's been done on them. So, yeah, it it does concern me. And because of that, I'm not going to be using these for any serious work at all. Reserve those for, you know, the grandkids or whatever and for your sketchbooks. All right. Next question. There's a live meetup drawing group near me. Who typed these anyway? Start that over. (laughs) (laughs) There's a live meetup drawing group near me. Is this something that I should go to and be involved in? Do you actually learn more in a group setting like this as opposed to drawing in isolation? So good question. Um here's the thing i i go to a live meetup group a drawing group from time to time and it's a lot of fun it's enjoyable they're all a little bit different not every group is the same so you just have to go and just kind of check it out and see what you think about it and if there's you know the right amount of synergy there if you're actually excited about drawing with this group and if there's a lot of you know camaraderie if that's what you're going for or if you're going just to Maybe, um, you know, share and get some tips from others or share what you're doing or something. I mean, it's it's worth trying is my point. Uh, I don't think that, you know, you're just going to have to start learning just so much more than what you would if you're drawing in isolation, if you're actually thinking about improvement and what you're doing and that sort of thing. I do like going to the group that I'm going to. From time to time, we'll get somebody there who's kind of new. And there's a little bit of talking that goes back and forth. In this particular group, and I'm guessing that some people just aren't used to that. They don't care for it or whatever. I I remember one lady in particular, she came and she was like, do you guys talk the whole time? She just, like, <laughs> wow. blurted it out and had the biggest What did biggest you expect from a group like this? Like, you want yeah. silence, draw it home. Draw it That's home. Yeah. I thought it was kind of funny. But, I, I mean, yeah, I enjoy that. I, I like hearing, you know, what other people are thinking about what we're doing and that kind of thing. I don't know. So
1: Yeah, for me, well, I'm going to get my best work done at home on my own where I'm really focused, really concentrating. I also like painting and drawing with other people because that may motivate me when I go home to work more or really work on this thing that I was showing them about because I can't wait to show them next week. Sometimes I found that I'm more, it's kind of like posting to social media when you're posting in progress updates. You want more work to show to your group the next time you meet up. So you may be more likely to get more work done at home with looking forward to sharing with those group of people. And it really is going to depend on the people you're with. Does it make you a better artist? Probably not, but it's fun. It may keep your interest. It's really fun to talk with people about someone who share an interest. I mean, most of us, our family members aren't, into the art or don't understand i mean even if there's my husband's very supportive but he he's not going to understand the same things i get super excited about he's very patient and he listens to me but he's we're not really going to have the back and forth i'm going to have with another colored pencil artist so in that sense i think that they can be really helpful there i think mostly it's just fun it's just a fun aspect of being an artist to hang out with other artists and share things like that unless you get in a group where the people are just kind of um maybe elitist or telling you you're doing everything wrong, I wouldn't go yeah, back to a group who was like that. I can definitely see where it could be harmful yeah. if you get the wrong group of people. But it's still worth going and, and finding out if what kind of people are in your local groups.
0: I think you hit on something there, though, that uh, really does happen with a group, well, at least the group that I'm in and with other groups, I'm sure. And that is the, the idea of motivation. I mean, it is something that will keep you motivated to Try certain things that maybe others are doing at the group. You can try it at home when you're able to concentrate and focus and stay, you know, very um uh in the moment and that kind of. Thing. I, I don't have flow state. I'll just put it that way. When I'm there in that group, I'm there just to have fun like we talked yeah. about. Um, but, yeah, at home, I may think about what someone else did. You know, there's different artists that do different things while we're there. One artist, she only draws in pen. You know, she only uses ink the whole time. Uh, another one. Uh, well, in fact, most of them only use charcoal most of the time. But then another one was using markers the other day. So I mean, you get a variety, and it's it's encouraging to see different art forms and to see what other people are doing and how they're doing what they're doing. So
1: our last question for today: Can I use a water based medium under my wax and oil colored pencils? This is such a great question. And yes, you can. Um, it's, that is going to be archival. Here's the problem though. Some water based mediums, like certain acrylics have a bit of a gloss to them. And they're, I mean, acrylics essentially plastic. So trying to get the pencil to stick on top of that sometimes can be quite a challenge. Even sometimes with ink tents, when I've done ink tents as my base, my wax based pencils will stick on top better. Whereas my, higher oil content pencils. Even the I thought, oh, I'll use my because the ink tents aren't super light fast. I was thinking, oh, I'll go ahead and use my pro color, the Derwent Pro Color, since yeah. those don't have the best or light fast rating. They didn't stick that well. I ended up using my luminance more than I did the the ProColor in that case. Mm-hmm. So certain pencils play really nice mm-hmm. with certain other mediums. Watercolor, I find that things stick to really well. The ink tends it'll stick to as long as I haven't painted it super thick and I have a tendency to paint that on really thick. So I think that's where my problem was, where it wasn't sticking at, the Pro Color weren't sticking as well. Um, and acrylics, again, if the acrylics I think are really thinned down, then the colored pencils can stick on top okay. And it depends on the, the the brand of acrylics you use too, or the type, because the Liquitex Basics, those tend to have a more matte finish than like the Liquitex Heavy Body or Soft Body Paints. Those are real glossy. And I've never found that the colored pencils stick super well. They'll kind of stick, just not really well. Is it archival? Yes, if you can get it to stick. But it it sometimes can be a little bit hard to work on on top of certain water-based mediums just because of that gloss, you know, how, how, yeah. how much tooth you've got left over after you paint it.
0: Well, right. And, and that is really the key to it. And uh, the thickness of the layer, I mean, that that makes a big difference right there. And I think uh, being aware of that, like you said, a watercolor typically will be a little bit thinner or you can make it a little thinner easier. I would say, yeah, uh, and that's that's uh, something that that you can do uh, quite easily. But yeah, if you're using ink tints or something else, that it's it's so easy to build up that layer. It's easy to build that up so thick that. Then you've got, you know, you've got something else underneath there. And then it's a bit weird trying to put something like a, a, these other colored pencils up on top of that. And then uh, an, another question that um, comes in from time to time is, can I use OMS up on top of that? The thing about that is if if I'm using some kind of water-based medium underneath, I'm typically going to spray it. And then that gives me a surface that I can work on. Now, I don't go crazy with the spray, you know, but a light layer of fixative, a workable fixative underneath that. And then, being able to draw something up on top of that, if you have enough layers built up, then yes, you could go ahead and use OMS on top of that and you should be okay.
1: I've even found going over like ink tents or um, watercolor. Yeah, even with the watercolor, yeah. I mess with that. The, the OMS doesn't really, pl- it doesn't affect a water-based medium. So Not if it's even dried that set. Case, yeah. It, yeah, it really didn't smudge. My, like I didn't notice any crazy Reaction, yeah. um. So I I really didn't have any problems using OMS over those. I've used the colored pencil over airbrushing too. Now that was a medium that worked really well together and part is going to depend on your paper, but the airbrushing paint is fairly thin again. So I wasn't damaging when I sprayed that. I, if anything, I think I gave to- more tooth to the paper when I airbrush, but the colored pencils have stuck when I use, especially the Canson Me 10s artboards. Those are my favorite for airbrushing and then putting colored pencil on top. Sticks really well, completely archival.
0: Well, that's what I was going say i mean it depends on the tooth yeah you know how much you have left whenever you're doing that so cool now let's talk about the reverse though um doing wax or oil based and then a water based up on top i mean i i try to avoid that
1: i like, never ever yeah. add a water <clears throat> base on but top I mean, of an you, oil based.
0: yeah but you could Food. you could do that if you're if you're doing something that you know you don't really care about or you want to try and experiment and see you know what happens to it or something like that. I haven't done anything that I really cared that much about. I'd like to do it and then, you know, put it away for a few years and see what it does. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me.
1: You can do oil and wax on top of water, but not the reverse because it's not going to stick long-term. You're going to have it flaking. You're going to have issues. Uh, People ask all the time, can't I just use acrylic paint for my white highlights? I mean, you can if you don't care if the work is archival, if you're not going to sell it, I guess. But do you really want to limit the potential to eventually sell it? You don't know. Two years later, three years later, somebody may come across and just love it and want to buy it. And you're like, no, can't sell it because I did not make this up using archival methods
0: yeah i just wonder about spraying it though with a with a fixative and a final spray over it i wonder what that would do in a few years i i don't know i don't really know but
1: yeah it's it doesn't not what sound I'd like to experiment no, with, it, with cause no it not doesn't with my artwork
0: well no it doesn't sound like something i'd want to do that i cared about i would I'd do yeah. it some test swatches and just see uh, what would happen with something like that and depend i mean there's a lot of factors it would depend on how thick all of those layers are too so uh, but yeah, as a general rule, that would be something that I would try to avoid. All right. So if you would like to add to this, and if you have a question that you would like for us to answer on the show, you can reach out to us by going to sharpenedartist.com slash Q and A, and you can submit your question there. You can always comment in the show notes over at sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. Reach out to us through email podcast at sharpenedartist.com. And we'll talk to you next week.